where hope makes sense. What a church we should have had by now if the Holy Spirit had kept up his habit of slapping people dead who lied about their stewardship in church. What a church we should have had if the early church had not lost its nerve about the real presence when they came together for worship. What a church we should have had by now if the Quakers hadn't gotten rich and began to depend less upon the presence of the Spirit. What a church we should have been by now if our primitive Baptist communities in this country had been able to keep or if we had been able to stand for them to keep the discipline with which they began, the care for each other that made them call for the peace of the church when they came to the Lord's table. What a different state of affairs we should face today if the church had not lost its nerve about confession and learned to write down sins it couldn't quite understand or commit to keep from naming the things they were and we are. What a church we could have been, we Christians, if we'd kept our nerve about stewardship and discipline and the presence of the Spirit and the confession of sin. But we lost our nerve. We began to believe that whatever expectation we could entertain in church, we mustn't ever expect it to touch reality, really. It was supposed to point in a general direction because we wanted to be reasonably true but it wasn't supposed to zero in on target, for this could turn a fellow wrong side out. We began to report favorably to the Almighty on our condition. We began to pad our baptismal reports. We began to make our statistics look good, and we began to make vague and general the description of our crimes so that we could look better when we came together. Now, we've known this a long time, but I didn't know that even magazines know it. Now, I always read, I don't know why I do, but sooner or later, within the year, I read those printed and mimeographed things that come wanting to help you be a better pastor. One of them begins like this. Catholic or Protestant, Reverend Sir, it is your God-given duty to open the eyes and enlighten the minds of your flock. This fellow doesn't know my flock very well. Uh, they, they already open-eyed and enlightened from the front to the last, or they wouldn't be here. But he goes on to say that I must be a veritable fountain of information on the deadly monster, communism. Now that's a good opening. You'll usually go on and finish that letter, and he goes on to say, we can show you how. 
paragraph. Month after month, the truth presented by dedicated anti-communists. We report significant happenings and trends. We do this simply so I can get it and candidly, but with no punches pulled. Hushed up developments are held to the light of day. Dishonesty is dissected. I'd love to have that one. Dishonesty is dissected with a surgeon's skill. Truth and fair play are introduced into matters of public confusion. I keep wanting to say, where have you been? <laughs> Professional smear jobs are spotlighted for all to note and United States history is always reported favorably. <laughs> Isn't that great? United States history is reported favorably. This is what we've been doing about our sins. This is where worship went. It didn't go into the singing of unfamiliar hymns, which is just another way of covering up our ignorance. It didn't go into high-blown liturgy. It frittered away in reporting favorably on ourselves to the Almighty who knew better all the time. And yet, isn't this the general tendency of mankind? Isn't this why his expectations, he hopes, will never really be in touch with reality? At least he hopes the report won't be too real. For the general tendency of all mankind is to report favorably on anything with which he is connected. Mercury is not the only magazine that wants to do this. For years, this tendency has affected the writing of history books. Legend and superhuman qualities and romantic notions <coughs> cover up any real chance at a clear view. And when some occasional scholar tells the occasional truth, we're all ready to cry, you are a debunker. You are destroying the hopes and the dream of American youth so that only here and there does a boy really get the notion that George Washington was so human that his teeth never did fit and Andrew Jackson's temper was so bad that he lived in terror of it all his life and that Abraham Lincoln knew himself that he was not a very pretty man. I say only here and there does a glimmer of reality come in touch with our expectations. And always, after a suitably decent interval, long enough to keep the truth from the living and be received only as heresy by those who are now alive, do we come into our progress reports on each other. This tendency to evade reality in our expectations, to report favorably, is the tendency to avoid reality, for reality is almost always part bad. And we do this sometimes by putting the blame totally on someone else. And sometimes we reverse this and means uh, being too anxious to find good somewhere else, as all those stupid reports on religious freedom among the Baptists in Russia that flooded our country 15 or 20 years ago which we now know to have been blatant lies fed to the occasional tourists who were passing through. Or many times it means that we take 
credit for something that rightly belongs elsewhere. But to report favorably is the intention to avoid reality. To report favorably, really, is to miss reality. And reality is usually quite essential. But if you just report favorably, you may miss the real situation. If you read the accounts of the birth of our Lord this way, looking for favorable reports, you could miss the baby altogether. Or you would be stunned by names. The names of the future are there. Caesar, Augustus, the one who cut off the head of his little cousin, Caesarion, who was the son of Julius Caesar and Cleopatra, because little Caesarion might get in his way, but he cut his head off so that he later would be Augustus after 40 years in power. You see that name, Caesar Augustus, or you see Quirinius, the governor, or the angels, or Herod the king, or the wise men, or the chief priests, or the heavenly hosts, you can get lost in the list of the favorable reports of those present, the list of the potentates and governors. They are not there to add to his glory. Don't miss this point. They are only there to give reality a date and a place. How does one escape this merely favorable for the real. I think maybe one could stand the real of his own situation. Confession-wise, for example, only if he were also convinced of a rather incredible potential. A man can stand to be honest before God, not just because he's discovered that his neighbor is in the same situation that he is, but because he has discovered and has been seized by the light of an incredible potential which is his, which makes his perfect honesty worthwhile. For reality, good or bad, always swings around sooner or later to the side of potential. As long as God is up to something, until the consummation of all that he is doing, it will be like this. Reality is with your future. And where was the future in that beautiful old story we read a moment ago? Well, the future wasn't with Caesar Augustus. It takes a world a long time to get over a Caesar Augustus. Some men were emperor of the Roman Empire for less than 30 days in the wild swinging back and forth of politics that followed the death of Caesar Augustus. The future wasn't with Caesar, it was with a baby in Bethlehem. And the future wasn't with Pilate, it was with the Nazarene. And the future wasn't to be with Genseric and the Vandals, it was to be with Augustine, who was writing City of God at the time the Vandals were breaking into his city. And the future wasn't to be with Attila the Hun, for they buried him in a gold coffin, inside of which there was a lead coffin, outside of both of which there was an iron coffin, and lost his body 
in the Danube. The future wasn't to be with Attila the Hun. It was with Leo the priest who talked him out of the sack of Rome. It's always this way. The future isn't with Suleiman the Magnificent Turk. It's with the martyr John Huss up in Prague. The future is not with the Emperor Napoleon, really. It was more nearly with William Carey. And where is the reality here this morning? Is it under the Capitol Dome in Raleigh or under a steeple over here in Dorita? Is reality in the director's room at any one of the banks you wish to name? Or is reality now in childbirth over at Memorial? If history is history, reality is in the direction of potential. What if it's here? What if it is here in us, with us, dependent upon us? What if the most real thing in the whole universe right now is still apparently insignificant? What if history hasn't really changed and Bethlehem will always be bigger than Rome? then you will have to re-evaluate the performance and the relation of that hulking, tongue-tied fellow who stammered somehow through 40 minutes this morning with a room of 12-year-old children and who thinks he failed and wishes he could just go home and quit. You will have to re-evaluate reality in terms of that dear lady who for years now has taken it upon herself to be sure every little child she has any chance to know is somehow touched by what she has discovered. Or reality might be a nine-year-old little girl who walked seven blocks and rode two buses to sing in her choir at 8.50 this morning. Reality might be, you see, with James and Mr. Hargett and Cecil, who might really be keeping the Lord's temple. What if reality is with potential, with the babe of Bethlehem? That was the potential there, and that is the potential here. And because potential is ours, because possibility is ours, we could afford to run the risk of being perfectly honest in church. Because, because. Do you remember those Christmas lists you used to make? Were they ever in touch with reality? Probably not. Unless you were a rather remarkable child, they were 400 degrees above reality and it puts your parents in a swivet to make even part of it come true. But listen, what if our expectations are always in touch with some reality? What if what we really expect is always somehow real? Wouldn't we need then not only to keep the feast of Christmas, 
which the church has kept now these 1,620 years on this day. Let us not only keep it, let us extend it. This time of expectation is a chance to live with a good, the best in us. It's a chance to touch the reality that underneath, the reality underneath that we do care. It's even free to swing into the awareness that to come in touch with reality will mean to come in touch with the sweep and scope of the patience of God. Dr. Rankin's been trying to get me to preach on this topic for a year. I think perhaps we might do better to have his sermon. This isn't his, but it's his topic. I don't know yet what a man in his mid-80s knows about the patience of God. But I suspect he knows a great deal more than I do about patience. I remember that dear uh, lady then. I thought she was ancient, but she must have been in her 40s. She operated a 400-acre farm. She operated two invalid sisters. She operated the uh, relief program in Ohio County. She operated the Republican Party in Western Kentucky. She would have operated the uh, Beaver Dam Baptist Church if she hadn't lived on the hope constantly that I would be moving. She said to me one day, young man, you might make it someday if you ever learned any patience. Patience? I don't know what a man so much beyond me knows about the patience of God. But I know it must be incredible. A God who can wait 50 million years for one biological form to develop, can wait for whatever time it takes to achieve its potential. And in the eyes of a God who's waited 50 million years, if it makes any difference to him at all, I suspect not. Don't you think a symbol only 2,000 years old is still in its infancy? If you took all of the time that we can measure behind us on this planet and made it a hundred years, civilization would have begun an hour and a half ago in its earliest form. And Jesus Christ would have come scarcely five minutes ago don't you think reality would say it's too soon to give yourself up? You can afford then more candor, more openness, more willingness to be made new, and the reality underneath. 800 years in our own memory as a race group, it's been moving in some direction. What a procession this season invites us to join. Let us join with what the patience of God is up to in us. Let us find somehow in this holy season the candor to get out of his way because potential 
is on our side. It always has been. And reality doesn't threaten us. Not in this light. Let us pray. Lord, dost thou not smile indeed at how favorably we've been reporting to thee on ourselves? And if thou art God, dost thou not know better? In whom have we been deceiving? Give us, we beseech thee, the openness before what thou art doing, that we can afford to be who we are before thee, but give us such an awareness of our potential as sufferers and redeemers and healers and makers and doers and obeyers that we can stand anything we know or learn. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.